Greetings, friends, listeners, and viewers. This is Ron Stefanski with yet another episode of Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the do-gooders out there, the determined, the passionate, the purpose-driven. And it's all about helping us to understand, embrace, and prosper, and avoid chaos in this extraordinarily disrupted world we live in. And we're talking about disruption on an un unprecedented level. We're talking about the 5G wired technology augmented, globally interconnected world of work further disrupted by a global pandemic and the great resignation. So tie that all into a bow and a ribbon, and we've got disruption at a major scale. And I think one of the places where this disruption has been so um, really, really difficult for businesses, the business and the workforce community is around talent. There is not a CEO that I've spoken with over the past 18 months that hasn't told me that their number one strategic issue challenge to growing their business is talent. And we're going to talk today not only about building a talent pipeline from a known quantity of force for good out there in the workforce development space, Marlena Sessions, who joins us as the CEO of NovaWorks, but we're also going to talk to someone in the private sector, a brainiac from Stanford University, Mark Jaster, who's applied his engineering and cyber intelligence expertise to addressing the known problem of talent specifically in cybersecurity. Now, why is that so important? Take a minute for it to sink in. If we have a shortage of cyber talent, we've got problems because industry is being hit by ransomware. Hospitals are being hit. So maybe to start off this conversation, we need a dose of reality. And maybe, Mark, you can kick us off by sharing with us the profound disruption being caused by a growing number of cyber threats. Sure, Ron, and thank you for the chance to talk with you and Marlena today. Um, yeah, I guess the the problem that we're faced with today is that there's there are way too many cyber attacks for our for our resources and our ability to defend them. We don't have enough people. We don't have uh, enough knowledge about what's happening, and it's happening in real time, incentivized by the payoff that the attackers have. Uh, when they succeed. So maybe we'll just start there. That's what we're faced with is a global onslaught of crime like we've never seen that introduces itself directly to our companies and our individuals from nation state level talent that in the past has been, we've had defenders, uh, you know, our military or um, our other agencies that could stop these crimes from crossing over our borders. And that's not the case today. We're all digitally. Um, we are a click away from uh, some other part of the world corrupting us or taking our information or locking us down with rank. And that's the problem we're faced with. Um, is unprecedented. The level of risk is unprecedented and our access to disrupt us is unprecedented. Um, does that get us started in the right direction? That absolutely, because now we're going to apply that. Okay, so we've got all these growing cyber threats that, frankly, if you're a thinking person, kind of freak you out. You know, when you talked 
uh, off off camera, you were sharing the thousands of hospitals, the thousands of, of local governments that were hit by cyber threats this past year. It's ridiculous. And so now we're looking at the talent issue, and there's no one that knows more about the talent equation as it's currently reflected in this environment than Marlena Sessions, who comes to us from having worked at the Seattle Workforce Board, for having worked with a variety of workforce development agencies, is now at the helm of NovaWorks right in the center of Silicon Valley. So maybe Marlene, it'd be helpful to hear, you know, about the, you know, you deal with a lot of people in Silicon Valley who have high power jobs and have high flying opportunities, but then there's a whole lot of people that are looking to get onto that wagon. And, and somehow we have to connect the two of you. We have to connect this, um, process by which we prepare people to take on those jobs. And then you're you're seeing the tremendous demand and you're helping to build the supply. So maybe you can share more about what that looks like right in the heart of it in Silicon Valley. Thank you, Ron, and, and, and no, great to talk with you and, and Mark this morning. It's it, what Mark just portrayed is a very sobering uh, situation, sobering challenge. And yes, I'm in the field of workforce development. What does that mean? It means uh, my job is to match talent with job seekers, very simply. It's not that simple, obviously, because we've, especially considering what we've been through the last uh, two, three years now, seeing a global pandemic, great degree of inflation, a labor market swinging back and forth by industry specific, et cetera. So, but I always look at it optimistically and say, you know, this. This great challenge we have ahead of us actually opened the door for Nova Works in our Silicon Valley seven um, seven hub cities of certainly in in the technology um, arena to let's look at employers um, maybe listening to us about how to open up their net and not screen people out and let's look at how employers might be um, not meaning to but having some sort of bias toward. Um, pedigree, education, or work experience. And so we've been doing some great work with what we've called skill, skills-based hiring. And this is what I'm so excited to hope, hope to partner with Mark on because what we've been finding, and there was a recent, I think a, a McKinsey article that I think I referenced in an earlier episode that said, really a predictor of long-term job success Skills are about five times better than someone's education to predict how they'll do. And skills right. are about twice as uh, as good as someone's work experience. So if we can get right to the talent and their skills or develop those skills, sometimes we can bypass all kinds of things and get employers what they need, especially in this amazing field. Right. So I want to unplug the first part of that, which is this idea that um, we have to look under the covers and, and everywhere to find more people uh, that we haven't originally thought would be good candidates for uh, some kind of skilled employment. And it's interesting because just in his newsletter yesterday, Tim Ryan, the CEO of one of the largest consulting agencies, PwC, just said it very bluntly. I've been following the talent challenge and it's here for the long term long-term talent one. In other words, this absence of enough people is going to drive this problem even through a recession. You know, typically we see, okay, we're starting to see employers open up and, and, and you know, and, and release some of their biases about who they're going to go after because they're starting to have a, a difficult time firing, uh, finding people. That's 
clearly not going to go away. And Tim even expressed that as he's predicting a recession in 2023, the talent challenge still won't go away. So maybe, Mark, you can talk about, uh, you know, Marlena's talking to us about skill-based learning or skills-based experience and hiring. Maybe you can talk about how you're creating skills at 418 Intelligence because it's not traditional. You're looking at the cyber talent pipeline in a very different way. Maybe you could share a little bit about the, the approach you're taking to get people that didn't necessarily think they'd be cyber hunters out there, threat hunters, uh, to get engaged in this as a very lucrative field. Yeah, th- yeah, great question, Ron, and great setup, Marlena. The, one of the, well, let me say what we do differently uh, or how we think about this differently is, the, is um, summarized by saying, if you're going to get into a cyber job today, you need to understand today's cyber problems. And that's because the work of cyber changes overnight. The um, attackers constantly change the mix. The, what's called the attack surface, which is really all the technologies that they can exploit that have vulnerabilities change overnight. Um, and because of that, the, the work that you need to do or the skills that you need to have constantly evolve. They're not like skills that you might learn in a more physics-based um, uh, field of work that are, you know, that are based in some solid foundation that you can build on. That's what's unique about cyber. So our approach to solve that problem is to embrace that that need to be in touch with the up-to-date and the new. And that means we, what we do is bring to the people that are trying to get into this field or that are just trying to improve their skills access to the current threats that are happening at that moment, literally up to the minute. And so our platform, our approach is all based on um, systematizing access to real-time, up-to-date uh, cyber threats in their real-world context, not hiding from, the, from the, the learner the reality of today, but really embedding, you know, imbuing. Their- it's almost like you're throwing them into the pool here, Mark. It's almost like you're throwing them into the deep you end. Do, that's what we, um, we do, but we, we let them, we kind of guide their way in. So, but they very okay, so quickly, there's a, a life jacket. Yeah, they go into the deep end fast, but they have to be obviously introduced to it. The point is that people can learn by by hand or learn by doing in a way that brings talent forth from repositories of, of skilled people that are out of the mainstream, that aren't typically found or don't have the resources to go to the, the, to the Stanfords and the other universities. And that is really... Our, the essence of our, our approach is to bring all that um, opportunity together with the problems that need to be solved by companies or by governments that are happening today up to the minute. Does that make sense at all? That makes a lot of sense. And I think where I want to take it is, um, you know, Marlene and you share, since you've been only recently acquainted with each other, you share a common passion, and that is to find people who may not be participating in this um, tremendous sustained economic growth we're seeing, and they're on the outskirts, they're underrepresented, they're in marginalized populations, marginalized communities. And what you're saying is extremely bold, and I want both of you to kind of take a crack at this, and what you're saying is you can literally take people 
who have not been party to economic success, and you can get them quickly trained and ready to participate in the economy, but also to have a very thought-provoking, very intellectually enriching job, making a decent, life-sustaining, family-supporting job, which is all what you're about, right, uh, Marlena? Absolutely. You know, and at Nova Works, we we are stewards of your and my, our taxpayer dollars, uh, you know, federally funded uh, for the most part. And so we don't say no to any job seeker. Anybody can come in. I could find myself out of work and, and or a laid off mid-level career professional, a uh, homeless individual. It's really the broad spectrum. But I get excited uh, hearing Mark talk about the opportunities because we do focus on certain, as you just mentioned, on certain areas of folks who might have been historically excluded. But I'm thinking right off the top, certainly our, I call it our future workforce, the 18 to 25 year old crowd that we are focusing on here at Nova Works. Um, certainly veterans come to mind because we give definitely veterans and their spouses a big priority of service. I'm even going to go out on a limb and say perhaps mature workers and older workers who, um, who may be able to have that uncovered, as you mentioned, skill. And I also just want to reference um, what I think is a great asset to the to the workforce without getting political, saying immigrants and refugees could be a great asset to this. Uh, Boy, isn't that true? Absolutely. You know, when you think about the people who are anti-immigrant in our uh, community these days who are helping to polarize around this issue, they don't recognize the simple economics of it. For those coming from distant shores who are experiencing global strife, you know, they're from war-torn areas, etc., and they land on our shores, getting them to work in a life-sustaining, family-supporting job is the best way to ensure that we don't have social strife, right? That's one thing. And then secondly, we're talking about the American dream here. We're talking about the fact that all of us are immigrants. So I, I can't agree with you more, even at the risk of sounding politically biased. I, I mean, I think what you're suggesting is actually bigger than that. I think you're saying there's a lot of people to pull into the tent. I What I find remarkable about what you're sharing here, Marlena, is that you're talking about this in the middle of Silicon Valley, where we seem to think there's zero unemployment. But what you're kind of suggesting here is not that at all. You're saying there's a lot of people that um, you're still having to reach out to because or work with because they're not feeling it. They're not in the they're not in the economic uh, engine of things in Silicon Valley. Absolutely. And I just add, you know, to your point about first and second on on uh, what immigrants and refugees bring, they bring skills. They bring skills from other countries and other training that they've had and a, a whole work history, life history. I would I would say that, yes, to the point about the the, the region that we're geographically located within um, it. You know, you've, we've all been reading about the all the different layoffs. They're very large. They're very lots, thousands and thousands of individuals, not just here, but globally with some of the big companies. Um, and that tech churn is very interesting because a person doesn't get laid off from, I'll just say, X company without naming right, names, right. and then the very next day decide, okay, I'm going to move on. I've got the skills. I'm going to move on. We've we've done we do a lot of data gathering here, and we find that it takes up to a year in some cases for someone to go through kind of the I'll call it the grieving process of being laid off to- Or the reckoning of where they're gonna go next, right? Uh, maybe there's a severance package involved so they don't feel that pressure, but it takes a while to get to the next thing. So I, I can't say 
to Mark, for example, today, oh my gosh, I've got those thousands of people for you that could just immediately get refocused. Um, we'll get to them and they'll come and we've got a steady flow of good job seeking customers, but it's not as if those thousands of people are ready the, the very next day. In fact, it takes several months and even years for an individual. Well, I want to connect a thread that you uh, put out there, Marlena, about the talent pool that you're looking at, and that's the 18 to 25-year-olds. Now, let's set the framework for our listeners and viewers. And again, if you're joining us, this is Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the do-gooders and the purpose-driven people who are out there leading us through this disrupted world and high high GSD index, getting shit done. We're here with Mark Jaster from 418 Intelligence, the CEO and founder, and we're here with the CEO of Marlena Sessions. So let's talk about this thread of opportunity youth. So these are folks that have been summarily bombarded by disruption. They've they've witnessed catastrophic, um, you know, uh, economic tsunamis. They've witnessed uh, a pandemic. They witnessed going, you know, coming out of school, graduating in a pandemic. And how do they prove themselves worthy of their first job taking a chance on them? So all these people are out there at the same time. We just heard about the conviction of the guy behind the college cheating scandal. And so when you hear stories like that front and center, what those stories do is they further erupt a discussion and a reckoning about higher education, what it's worth, the value of it, who's getting it, who's not. And so what that does on the consumer side or on the everyday American side is it puts a lot of people in a position of talking with their children or talking with their parents about the affordability of college and the viability of it. Do I really need that? So, Mark, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing, because you're not talking about a four-year program to get someone ready to handle cyber threats. You're talking about getting people ready uh, on a much quicker trajectory, if I if I understand that. Yeah, um, we're a big fan of the community college system, that they're, they are a constant partner of ours, but they have to be, you know, sometimes they need to be upgraded a bit, which is what we do, is to give the give the access to this high-end um, training experience to a, to a population that's, that hasn't had those advantages. And if we do, when that's done well, in my opinion, that background of person has, they bring heart to it and sort of a work ethic that's, that is, you know, that is um, really unique as well as effective in this work. Because this, the work of cyber is in many ways should be thought of as as a digital trade, not necessarily of the same type like a coder um, or some of the other professions of of the digital economy. Within IT, cyber, yeah. is, right. cyber in many ways is is a trade, and it needs to be considered that way. And you need to broaden the view of who who is eligible to to be upskilled to do this. That doesn't mean they can be a top hunter like you need for NSA, but it, but there are many versions of the work that happens in cyber that need, that can be done by people that are taught to do a specific task and learn from that and learn what's happening in the up-to-date moment of the, of the threat environment of the day. So the people that are, as you mentioned, the opportunity youth, they're a perfect candidate for this, this work, as well as, as Marlena said, Older people, refugees, we, 
we had our last cohort in Snohomish County, Washington, uh, Marlena. The very first person to get out of our program and into a full-time job was a refugee from war-torn Africa. And that happens all the time for us. We've got five refugees in our program now from Iran, from Afghanistan, several from Africa, Ukraine, as mixed in with people that are coming out of a co community college system in, uh, in the Seattle area. And it's a wonderful mix as they, as they learn about the opportunities here. So not to belabor the point, the, the idea is that this work is accessible to people that come from these alternative backgrounds or they're coming into the workforce for the first time if they apply themselves to the current problems of the day, if they stick with certifications or old training models that haven't really produced jobs, that's uh, that's that could be a They've got to get into a mode where, and we have to do more to give work based to these people. This is really the challenge that we're faced with in cyber that our company is trying to solve with some partners is how to bring work-based learning out into that Right. Well, you know, what's interesting is I feel a little bit like as the disrupted host, I'm playing Yentl or matchmaker today because you guys are working in the similar space from different perspectives. And what I find fascinating is in representing the interest of the bold and innovative ed tech community over the past 30 years, I've recognized that there are a lot of fast moving bootstrap startups, much like yours, Mark, uh, that have put out there very innovative educational programs that, that sort of, that sort of get us past some of the barriers that we see in a traditional semester long program where an educational institution like a community college or a university can't pivot as quickly. Then we go up against the workforce system where typically a caseworker encounters the person looking for work, brings them in and says, okay, I'm doing an assessment. I'm trying to figure out what you need. And in many cases, because the caseworker isn't, uh, isn't privy to all the things that inventors like you are coming up with, you know, they press the community college button and they say, okay, I'm going to send them to this training because I know I can check the box and get someone there. Marlena, maybe you and Mark can share a little bit about how you cross through those barriers, because I think WIOA in the workforce community has made it uh, less difficult. I don't think it's made it easy, but I think it's made it less difficult for you to do the work you want because you've been looking, you are the advocate of public-private partnerships where you see the benefit of that and see the need for workforce entities to move beyond simply going to a partner in community colleges to get the job done, that, that some of these specialized training programs that have been innovatively created and designed around the need and solving the problem. Tell us more there. Absolutely. I love it. And, you know, we, we as Nova Works as one of 550 workforce systems around the country. I'm, I'm one small one, but as a representative for all of my colleagues, I would say it, it writ large, we also are very big fans of the community college system. And to Mark's point, we can act as a navigator, convener, um, translator, and influencer with some community college programs and investor. We have those resources to say, um, to the to the local community college, you know what? The, here's what the employer really needs. How fast can you turn around a, a new kind of curriculum? And we're, again, happily, I guess in these times, uh, there's a need for students as well at those institutions. And they're definitely listening. They're definitely 
pivoting much, much more quickly than than before. So yes, I love. Thank you for being the Yentl. I I know there's a lot of follow up. Well, I think there's that. a yeah. I think there's a I think there's an and here. It's not community college or college. It's and. It's not community college or innovative stackable credential program. It's and because we're talking about people, if they want to participate in the robust and sustainable economic growth that they're seeing in their community, they have to be agile and pivot. And that requires lifelong learning. And so I think that's really the key to a lot of this, because as you've said, you're working with both. You're doing public private partnerships, but they're also a great network of community colleges and school partners that you're working with uh, to try to bridge that. So Mark, maybe you can share some of the work that you've been doing in this space um, where you've really tested proof of concept. You started out as a bootstrapped operation, and now you see full force. Wow, you're taking people and very quickly getting them up to speed. Maybe you can walk us through that. Yeah, I'd love to, Ron. Our first experiment in this space was uh, started in uh, late 2020 um, in eastern Kentucky, which is the area of the country that has had you know the coal industry collapse. Just fast forward six months after we had uh, had the opportunity to start working with a small cohort of people with some IT background generally or some college preparation, but no work experience in cyber. Over 80% of them had landed jobs at working from home in Eastern Kentucky for large managed security services providers, making incomes that were triple the, the family average in their counties, life-changing experiences for these people and proving that they could do it if they just kind of had the opportunity and could create a story around what they knew that resonated with an employer. That's one of the biggest challenges most people face when they're trying to get into this field is their experience, even in coming from the best schools, is book smart, it's not street smart. And the people that are doing the hiring care only about street smart inside. Very little value is given to book smart, quite honestly, unless you're in a few think tank organizations. And that's the challenge is we can give them that street smart experience and have them speak to what they did directly um, in these, these kind of approaches, but they have to be orchestrated in a way that is, understands the, the reality of the job market. And it gets to how to upgrade our educational systems that are somewhat focused on um, tuition and on people getting through terminal degree programs. That's not necessarily producing a worker that, that the market wants. And that's one of the biggest challenges is, is bridging that, that space so that we don't leave those programs out. We don't try and replace them with boot camps that have their own set of, of objectives but we up-level what those programs can do and bring them into the kind of current world with some technology-based solutions and some smarts about what the, what's really happening in the real world. But there, that, that conversation has to, be, um, has to be joined by people like Marlena that can convene those people, bring that conversation together and recognize we can't do it alone. We really do have to have industry knowledge working with educators working across the continuum of what the marketplace needs for jobs. Going into a terminal degree program, putting your bet on that is, I think in my experience, unlikely to get you very far in the cyber world. 
It's and that's what we're trying to solve is that 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 interface between education and what the work world needs. Well, and I think the I think the secret sauce here is the real world experience you're giving people to dive right into the deep end. So as we put this uh, conversation uh, to a close here today, reminding our audience, we are disrupted. We've been talking about this and to the workforce warriors we've had on previous episodes, leaders, Marlena, that you've worked with, Lori Larea in Greater Dallas, Karen Norrington Reeves in Chicago, Peter Kalstrom in San Diego, Shout outs to all of them because you guys are all working with folks like Mark more and more to solve these innovative challenges in workforce and pairing the workforce demands that we have against the talent that's out there, but also more important, the emerging talent we need to build for the future. So any last thoughts, Marlena and Mark, as we close off this episode of Disrupt Ed? Just a, a reminder to employers to think skills, to think about your hiring practices. Nova's here to help. If you want some technical assistance, we're here for that. Um, it is, it's a different lens to have to put on some maybe what you thought were tried and true hiring practices in the past may not be working for you. So excited to, to go forth. Fantastic. And Mark, any closing thoughts? Well, the name of our company, I don't even think I mentioned it, is 418 Intelligence. And like Marlena, our passion is to find skills that we can imbue to people that are that have the latent capability to do this work and and benefit from the oppor economic opportunities that are in front of them. There's no greater gap in the talent workforce world today than in the cyber workforce. So any anyone looking to solve that problem, we we're here. To no, and in closing, I'd have to say there's no greater joy than the two of you have in taking people that didn't know they had the stuff to do great work and find life-sustaining, family-supporting employment. And to both of you, a shout-out, because both of you are so impassioned about that. It's what keeps the Disrupt Ed community growing. So stay tuned, listeners, for another episode of Disrupt Ed. In the meantime, we are going to invite these two characters to come back and interact some more and fill us in on how they're addressing the talent pipeline issue of today now. Thanks for joining us. This has been Disrupt Ed with Ron Stefanski.